What would you do if your business was the target of a drive-by shooting? I'm finding out for myself as I write this. Please note, this episode does contain some coarse language. Welcome to the hearth of Satbush Hollow, chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Bolton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich from Ben Bella Books. September 11th and the Twin Towers. March of 2020 and the start of the pandemic. These are two events I have witnessed in my lifetime where I think of my life before that moment and then after. The third happened last week when a shooter, a neighbor, drove through our hamlet in the middle of the night. He shot the firehouse, putting bullets into the doors and through the trucks. He put a bullet through a neighbor's pool, and he put three bullets into our honor store, puncturing two freezers and a refrigerator, shattering the glass front of our merchandiser freezer, before driving through the rest of the town, firing his gun outside people's homes. It's hard to talk about something I'm not supposed to talk about. There is concern for the safety of me and my family. There are protocols that must be followed to ensure the criminal justice system can do its job. But the newspapers and television stations have given the above facts. So I can give those to you. And that's all I'm going to say about the event itself. The rest of what I want to talk about today is what it feels like to go through this. Thank God no one was hurt. That's the reprise I've heard over and over for the past week and a half. Or, at least Vladimir Putin hasn't dropped a bomb on you. Repeatedly, I'm reminded that it could have been so much worse. 
I parrot these facts like a mantra, admonishing myself to be grateful. It's only financial damage. I sit with mom and dad in the living room at the farm. We say it there, too. Thank God no one was hurt. We need to keep this in perspective. But as we sit facing each other, dad fixates on disparate, non-related details. Information about the shearer's arrival. Information about a new climate policy that's going before Congress. Mom repeatedly starts new sentences, then stops them. We need to make sure we... Are we going to... I think we should... And after each start, she forgets what she wanted to say. She loses her words so much, I fear she's having a stroke. Then she just starts to cry. We need to keep this in perspective, I remind her. But my stomach turns in knots. My chest feels tight. I force myself to eat. In the early mornings, I sit at my computer, attempting to keep up with the bookkeeping for the farm. A simple 15-minute job takes me two hours. The tasks stack up, and I fall farther and farther behind. Keep it in perspective. I remind myself again and again and again. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Then my neck seizes up. Pains pop up in my arms. I can hardly move them. It feels like my body is filling with black, sludgy poison. I forget to do basic tasks. I lose phone numbers. I make lists, lose my lists, make new lists. Then I don't get any of the tasks done and rewrite the same list and try again. Corby calls the house. I start crying then pull myself together. Matt and Aaron call the house. I cry again, then pull myself together. My brother calls. I cry again, but of course, pull myself together. Justin from Green Wolf calls. I repeat the process, hating myself for this, feeling ashamed of my self-indulgent tears, questioning my right to them when, really, it's so much worse in so many other places. We notify our customers of the event, and word spreads through the news, and the letters begin pouring in from customers, from readers, from listeners. Perspective, I remind myself as I try to answer them. I'm supposed to be in a place of gratitude. And the black, sludgy poison feels like it spreads farther through my body, oozing from my stomach, through my intestines, until finally I recognize that the bullet's didn't hit me, but I still have untreated wounds. And I put the bookkeeping aside. I leave the writing. I stop attempting to respond to the letters. I don't want this poison in my body. The only thing I can think to do is to let it move through me. I go to sleep that night, then wake up crying Bob and I sit together in the woods, staring vacantly at the stream, and we stop trying to figure out how we are going to fix things. We come back to the house, and as he cooks breakfast, I'm swallowed by the sorrow. I can't hold it in, limiting it to soft cries any longer. I moan, I wail, 
I scream. It feels as though snot pours out of every orifice of my body. Fuck perspective. I have a vision of community, of people caring for each other, nourishing each other, trusting each other. And it has been pierced with bullets by a fucking neighbor. And I need some time to put thoughts of gratitude and forgiveness aside. I need time with my sorrow. The girls are holding me now. They don't try to make me stop. They just hang on. I don't know if they've ever seen me like this. I don't know as if I've ever seen me like this. But it feels like something is happening inside me. The black ooze feels as though it is leaving my body. I cry until the sobs turn to dry heaves. Then I crawl into the bathtub, then crawl into bed. The dogs pile in around me. When I wake up, I remember that it's music night. Corby and Carl come. Corby's made twice-baked potatoes laced with heavy cream and bacon and a pile of chicken. Carl has a jug and a euphonium for his instruments for the night. Tracy and Justin and Avon show up with salad and a guitar. Bernie brings curried potatoes and a fiddle. They sit with all of us, listening quietly to our tortured, scattered conversation. One minute, Dad is fixating on the shearing schedule again. The next, I'm telling them something about the shooting. The next, Mom is ordering me to return someone's phone call who needs chickens. No one cares. They just sit and listen. And then the music starts. I feel it pulsing through my body. In spite of my sadness, my chest loosens, my body sways. We move from English country tunes to blues. Then Bob starts strumming Proud Mary. I try to join in, but I can't quite find my way. Justin steps up beside him. Left a good job in the city. Working for the man every night and day. And I never lost a minute of sleep. Worrying about the way things might have been. His singing helps me find my own voice. We're singing together now. Big wheels keep on turning. Proud Mary keeps on burning. Rolling, rolling, rolling on the river. I feel surrounded and protected by a circle of love, acceptance, and music. I'm dancing with joy as we sing, and I recognize keenly, in that moment, the difference between sorrow and regret. The fact that a gun was fired throughout our community and into our community-centered business fills me with sorrow. But I don't have one ounce of regret about anything we have done. And tomorrow, I will remember my gratitude and grace. Maybe I'll even go back to understanding that we are lucky that things weren't worse. We will pick up the work of putting the pieces back together. 
Then, on Saturday, we will open for the season and begin cooking breakfast for our customers and neighbors again. There will always be a before and after moment from that gunfire. But that doesn't mean the work stops. It doesn't mean the dream goes away. It doesn't mean I stop loving this life I was handed. But it does mean, before the work resumes, I need a time of sadness. Happy spring, everyone! Sapbush Cafe is now open for the season. We will be open every Saturday from April 2nd through December 24th from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. Our online website, sapbushfarmstore.com, is stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats, as well as wool bedding and yarn. The Honor Store has been taped back together for the time being, but we do not have any retail freezer space. So order your cuts before you come, and we'll have them pulled and left in the pickup freezer for you. Please know that your letters have been extremely healing. I read every one and then print them off and share them with the whole family. We are not able to reply to the volume we've received, but each note means so much. Thank you to all who have written. Our farm-to-table retreat on Panther Creek and the Tenter site are already getting summer bookings. If you want to grab a slot to come hang out with us, you can link over to their Airbnb and Tenter listings from the Vacation Rental tab at sapbush.com. If you want to follow us this year, here's a bit of news. We are no longer on social media. That's a longer story for another time. Meanwhile, find us over on the blog at sapbush.com to keep track of farm happenings, my musings, and the weekly prefix cafe special. Even though we aren't on social media, word is getting out about my newest book, Redefining Rich, which, get this, drumroll please, was just awarded an Axiom Medal for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. If you want to practice some of the concepts, be sure to head over to the blog at setpush.com where you can download the free Redefining Rich Workbook, which helps you work on your quality of life statement, identify true wealth and income streams in your life, practice setting boundaries, and gives you exercises for helping your family and workday flow better. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. The Hearth of Sapbush Hollow podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon. And this week, I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons Tomoko Nishida Castro and Teresa Jones. Thank you, folks. I couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to help support my work, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. And in case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Now the birds are singing about all the things they've seen over in the other countries, sowing seeds and reaping dreams. I think that I am learning